And welcome back, everyone, to another production of Go Be Wyoming. I'm your host, Aaron Gray, and I've got Zach Gale via Zoom. And then today we have a friend of the show, second time, uh, Senator Bo Weitman. Bo, thanks for uh, joining us. We were going to do it in person, but you got a kiddo uh, that had to go home. Uh, she's sick, and so with all the COVID protocols and all that. But um, Bo, thanks for jumping back on again. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to join you from the bunker out here in the Parkman Hills at an undisclosed location. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's get into this, Bo. Uh, Zach and I have kind of stayed away from it uh, just because it's so uh, uh, so toxic to talk about. But, Bo, what are your kind of uh, reactions to kind of the state elections? Um, I think that those kind of went how we thought they were going to go. Um and then uh, kind of give us your uh, um, your thoughts on how the presidential election is still uh, waiting for some results. What's kind of your reactions there? Well, we'll start with the state election. That actually went better than I thought it was going to go, to be honest with you. I was surprised just how many seats the Republicans were able to, to take back from the Democrats. Uh, the Democrats really didn't have much of a foothold here in Wyoming, but... Uh, uh, we stomped them pretty good in down south, and uh, now there's only two Democrats in the Senate in the state instead of three. Um, so we'll have obviously a huge majority there, 28 to two. And then the House, we picked up a couple of seats. Um, and one was a shocker to me was uh, Representative Stan Blake from down south. He uh, he'd been in there a long time, well liked by everybody, and uh, he got beat by a Libertarian. So. We'll have our first libertarian candidate, I think, in the state house. So, pretty interesting on that front, and um, uh, kind of a surprise. I knew we were going to do well statewide uh, with the Republican Party, but uh, this just uh, reaffirmed the fact that Wyoming is a deep red state, and the Republican Party is stronger than ever. And then nationally, yeah, that was a uh, wow. <laughs> I'm going through the stages of uh, grief, I guess. You know, I was in the anger stage for about a week. Uh, didn't really want to go out in public and talk to anybody and just kind of grumpy. And then I was in kind of, I think I'm in the denial stage right now, honestly. Um, we'll wait and see what happens. There's there's a lot of uh, what appears to be some fishy stuff, I guess that would be the word to say, uh, that might have went down in places like Detroit and Philadelphia and Atlanta and uh, possibly Arizona or Las Vegas. We'll see. But uh, um, yeah, I'll hold off on really getting into the presidential stuff until some more yeah. facts get out there. But I know there's a lot of uh, wild accusations and, and there's been um, quite a few lawsuits filed with sworn affidavits. So there's obviously people that are putting their name on the line to uh, attest that they witnessed voter fraud in certain areas. And there's uh, a lot of legal uh, filings and proceedings that needed to go through the to process. And we'll see what happens at the end of the day. But hopefully, you know, President Trump will come out on top again and we'll have four more years of President Trump. And uh, what well, has been a little bit discouraging on my end is as a lowly state senator was seeing how kind of the national republicans just kind of left him out to dry for the last you know week and a half two weeks uh you know president trump's not afraid to fight 
and he's fought alone a lot, but uh, now would be a good time for the Republicans to kind of have his back instead of just throwing him under the bus or, you know, there was probably, a, wasn't even a day after the election and some Republicans were trying to throw dirt on him and have the funeral and, and move on already. So I think that was a little premature. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, hopefully other uh, state leaders and national leaders will step up and, and give President Trump his, their full support and, and, and uh, we'll stand behind him until this is all settled. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I will mention this. We'll go back kind of the state level. Bo, uh, Zach and I on our last uh, state one did mention the libertarian candidate. Um, that was the first uh, first libertarian to win a ticket since like 2002. So uh, me oh, being yeah. me being a right leaning libertarian, I was like, heck, yeah. Um but uh, I think, Zach, uh, we also did initial reactions, uh, Cheyenne. Uh, there were a lot of wins in the House. So, yeah, um, you know, the Republican Party did come out and show well in the state. Um, Zach, do you have anything to add there on what uh, Senator Beitman said? No, I, uh, I forgot about Cheyenne a little bit because you and I had talked about it uh, kind of right after the primary. We thought it might swing blue a little bit. Um, and so I, 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 that was something that surprised me too. They stayed uh, pretty true. Yeah, and there was a couple big blowouts. I know um, Anthony Bouchard's race down there in Cheyenne drew a lot of attention from the media. And I think the media, obviously the Casper Red Star or the Pravda on the Platte, whatever you want to call it, uh, they're obviously pulling hard to get rid of him. And there was some old guard, uh, you know, establishment Republican types that were pumping a lot of money into that race for the Democrat and for his, uh, actually as a Republican primary challenger too. And he, he came through big time. I think he won by like 3000 votes or something like that down there. Yeah. So, uh, not only did he win, he won big and, uh, and it just shows you that the, the, the silent majority, <laughs> I say it all the time, they're there. Um, they just want to be left alone and they'll show up on election day. They, they scare the crap out of me every couple of years whenever I'm up for election. Cause I'm wondering if they're going to be there for me, <laughs> but uh, they, 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 they're there for us true conservatives that, are, that hold the line and do what we say we're going to do. And don't, don't just campaign as a conservative, then go down there and become part of the problem and, and vote like a the liberal establishment has for, for many years. So yeah, totally. And on that same note, Bo, you kind of mentioned um, it took a while for some some national Republicans to stand up um, in support of President Trump. And really more of it's not like we're we're not tin heads here and saying like, you know, it's a whole fraud. You know, we're not saying that we're just saying that there are like you said, people have put sworn affidavits saying they saw fraud. And so now we finally have some. Uh, representatives. Um, I think like Crenshaw, obviously, uh, Cruz, Senator Cruz has finally, they've, anyways, I, what I'm getting at is, Zach, you and I have made this point about just because we're conservative doesn't mean I, I'm party line all the way. It's, uh, you gotta, you gotta stay active and, you know, um, it's surprising to me how many people have kind of been like, ah, if there's fraud, that's okay. And it's like, it doesn't, I don't care who wins, freaking Kanye could have won. But if there's fraud, there shouldn't be fraud. And I think that's, uh, Senator, that's kind of what you're getting at. And we'll kind of see what, how the dust settles. Um, but um, I, I will say, because his numbers were definitely better than 16. So 
yeah. Um, the, yeah. Anyway, so. 72 plus million and counting. Um, that's a huge number. And that's uh, something to be proud of. For President Trump, his numbers with blacks, his numbers with Latinos, uh, all went through the roof for Republican. Um, that's that's tremendous. And it just shows he has a broad, broad range of support. And, uh, you know, his rallies were huge. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> stranger things have happened. 2020 has been just a yeah. odd, crazy, crappy year. So, you know, nothing would surprise me this year. But, yeah, I think uh, anybody that, that doesn't want to investigate this is the problem. I think anybody in their right mind would want to make sure that we had free and fair elections and that uh, that illegal votes should not count and um, the Constitution's followed. So what, however that shakes out, we can live with that. But uh, most law-abiding citizens want to see a fair and honest election and, and let the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. Well, let's change gears. Let's get off the national, you know, the presidential election. Um, yeah, briefly, we can talk about um, just some budget stuff. Um, you know, as we record this on Monday, the 16th, Governor Gordon is, is doing a, uh, I'd say, kind of a surprise briefing. Um, this wasn't mentioned in his Friday briefing, um, but he's coming out at 4 p.m. today. Um, to do a supplemental budget. Uh, he's, I think he's just bringing up some more numbers, um, which uh, Senator, you kind of mentioned, you know, you the legislative branch has kind of been left out of the dark a little bit. So it will probably be uh, 4 p.m. will be news for you too, if there's anything uh, shocking that he's done to the budget. Yeah, I, I assume there'll be some more uh, recommended cuts in there. What those will be, we'll have to wait and see just like everybody else. Um, uh, I think the more drastic cuts will have to come from the legislature and uh, you know, not from the agencies themselves. So we'll, we'll see what he recommends us to do, and then uh, we'll get to work. Uh, I'm sure our appropriations committee is already looking at the numbers and what we need to come up with as far as cuts go, and then we'll hopefully be on the same page with what the governor recommends. Is there anything in, in your not not to um put you on the spot is there is there any thoughts that you have that would be good you know a, a com or i should say a common ground where i think everyone could come to agreement you know is there a particular spot in the state budget that you're like yeah we i think we can lose some uh you know trim some fat as as it were well i think everybody understands that the biggest driver of the de deficit right now is k-12 through education spending um that that number has been growing every year since I've been in the office and um, our revenues have been pretty much been flat or down. So that's unsustainable, right? You can't run a business this way. You can't, uh, you know, your expenditures can't outpace your revenues for much longer or you'll be out of business. And, and as a businessman and, and uh, not a government type, you know, we've got to run this state more like a business and, and get our expenses down to where we can, uh, not only survive but thrive and uh, when we're driving up these huge deficits it's just impossible and we have these crises every year it seems like if, even non-budgetary years we have supplemental budgets um, to fix these deficits that we're running up we, we've been living off our rainy day fund we've been living off of higher than expected uh, investment returns and we're kind of 
we're playing with fire a little bit, we've got to get our expenditures down. And one the main place to do that right now, I see, is probably K through 12. We're going through a recalibration again. Um, that just basically they're trying to reprice the funding model. But I think the big problems take big ideas, and we're going to need bigger ideas than just recalibration every couple of years to figure out how much it costs to educate a child in the state of Wyoming and uh, what we can actually afford. And I think the affordability is going to be the ultimate discussion that needs to happen and we've kind of kicked that can down the road yes we know what a, a cadillac education costs we've got all the experts to tell us you know is it seventeen thousand per student or twenty thousand or sixteen thousand it's in that ballpark but can we afford it and um, what do we sacrifice to come up with that money i mean obviously we we only have so much money available to spend and so if we put it all in education then we're we're um, really hurting other sectors of the state government such as health care um, our seniors our roads our prisons our police force you know you name it everything on down the line our cities and towns and municipalities suffer so it has a it has a broad range of effects but it all kind of stems from We've kind of let this thing get out of hand as far as these uh, built-in escalators into the funding model. Uh, whereas, you know, I think my first year in office, we tried to, there was an attempt to at least cut the rate of growth of education spending. It wasn't actually a cut per se, but, you know, in government terms, I guess that's a cut when you cut the rate of growth. And the big ed lobbyists um, came down hard and they, they, they were not having it, and obviously Big Ed is the biggest lobby in the state, so they got their way, and here we are, you know? So it's kind of like if we would have just cut a little bit at a time and started ratcheting down the rate of growth, we probably wouldn't be looking at a, you know, upwards of a billion-dollar hole in the state government. So um, we got to start sometime, and there's no better time than now to start, and uh, looking forward to getting to work on it. We'll see if the House wants to play ball this year or not. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, and then Zach, I'll let you, you know, Zach might have a very good opinion here since he's going to school to be an educator. Um, the K through 12, and this is probably before uh, any supplemental budget that the governor has done, but for 19, 2020, for anyone listening, K through 12. Now, the whole budget for the state of Wyoming was about $3 billion. K through 12 is getting about $1.7 So that's almost half of the budget. So just to put that in perspective, and then um, we'll get into the university. The university gets a lot of money as well. But um, Zach, what's your what's your take on that um, in in regards to what Senator Beitman said? Yeah, no, I think um, you know one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to to learning about uh, this spring is just how much uh, the budget impacts you know our teachers. Um, but I will say, just in the things I've had to do up here, creating lessons and learning about, you know, being an effective teacher, a lot of the, the lessons and ideas I've come up with haven't included anything that is, you know, a huge expenditure, requires some large amount of money. Um, I think it's really about having a creative idea, being able to effectively communicate that to your students, and then, you know, having them tell you that re, uh, in return um so yeah you know i don't um 
know too much just you know how much teachers really rely on that budget i know for just little supplies and stuff i mean that's what i've heard um just going through the school system but but yeah yeah i think that's that's true and i to me from the outside looking in i'm not an educator and i you know nobody in my family works in education but uh seeing it from the outside and from a lot of people i talk to outside of education see it as they see a problem with administrative bloat um, they see administrative salaries that are you know at the they make a lot more than the governor in some cases and so you know that you've got really high priced administration we've got big brand new schools we, we bus our kids all across the state for sporting events um the transportation budgets um, things like that it all of that doesn't involve teaching a child like to your point zach and you know when we were shut down in the spring and i was all of a sudden thrust into the role of teacher <laughs> with my two kids it was it was crazy to to, to I, I have so much respect for for the teachers right and nobody when we're talking about cuts that that's the last place that the cuts need to happen is at the classroom level and with the teachers right um if anything you know maybe everybody in the state government might have to pay a little bit more towards their health care or something like that that could be a huge money save health care costs are are skyrocketing and in the private sector we've had to do it aaron for how many years now and yep. health care keeps going up and so those are the types of things that we're talking about. I don't think, um, you know, you know, laying off teachers and, and creating that kind of a panic is, is what we're after. I think we're after efficiencies. We're after maybe getting rid of some administration, looking at the transportation, um, the facilities, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm all about, I'm, I'm even open to the idea of, of, you know, like, um, you know what I could do with seventeen thousand per kid uh, to to educate my children. You know, it got a lot of people thinking back in March and April, like parents talking about you know co-ops with their. You know, if we could get our education dollars to follow the child, we could. You know, four four kids could probably pay for a pretty decent teacher, right? And with the advent of the zoom and internet and stuff like that who knows what education is even going to look like in 10 years um certainly two years ago i was not expecting it to look like it does now so things are happening so fast and things are changing so fast that the brick and mortar school may just be a thing of the past and a not so distant future so we just don't know but i don't want to just be stuck in the past and the same old ideas i want to hear all ideas and i want to get to the solutions that matter and, and best for our kids that was well said I'll, I'll i'll piggyback on that bow so we've talked with cyrus western and cyrus brought up you know he asked me straight up i'm a coach right in the in the k through 12 and he's like aaron he's like you brought it up transportation costs you know mm -hmm. sheridan sheridan and rock springs are traveling that's a huge burden you know on and and so anyways we got talking about you know, maybe coaches, you know, guys that are teachers and gals that are teachers, you're going to, maybe you're going to have to take a cut from your athletic stipend, you know, like we just can't, you know, we just can't do that. And then, or maybe we got to reconfigure the travel schedule, you know, our conferences, you, we can't afford Sheridan to travel all the way to Rock Springs and spend the night, same with Rock Springs, vice versa. Um, 
so like again there's options we just gotta you know now again it's kind of the now i guess you're getting at teachers guys that are probably teachers that coach but um you, you know administrators you can look at the sheridan county school district too and see how much those administrators are getting paid um and i've talked to plenty of guys that are teachers in this school district not to say our school district's bad but a lot of those guys get paid pretty dang well to be an administrator um and some of the teachers you know they probably won't say it publicly but that kind of hurts them when you know uh anyway so um that's glad to hear and i think even kinski zach in his article he even brought up you know k through 12 they're gonna have to consider you know we we don't have the oil and gas like we used to which Bo goes back to it's a spending problem we just keep spending 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 and then oh lo and behold we don't have the money so anyways um zach do you have anything to add on that before we go to no uh, i mean i uh i had forgotten about administration you know that's definitely something a lot of teachers look at um as like a next step whether or not they go and get their degree to keep being a teacher or go into administration um so yeah that's that's a really good point um that's a good area to look at for for the budget um uh let's see this is a fun this is a fun topic for you bo i know uh, you've got a special heart for uh, ramico but um but what are some things that you know the budget's obviously going to be a big topic and and where the cuts can come from but i think another thing that we need to be thinking about and in being innovative is how can we bring more manufacturing tech you know um the carbon capture in gillette is um you know taking off so to speak, with the injection of uh, carbon capture, uh, Ramico's here in Sheridan, um, Orion Mine, you know, in Sweetwater, they're getting excited to start mining for Trona. What are some ways that at a legislative level, Bo, that we can bring more of that, you know, manufacturing tech um, or, or just deregulate certain things? I think you hit it with the deregulate. Um there's not a whole lot we can do as a government to get people to come here other than bribe them right you know with some states uh participate in the race to the bottom to get places like google and amazon to locate it in their states and they give up hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes and and basically pay them to come to your state i don't i, I don't uh I don't necessarily believe in that style of crony capitalism. I don't think that's the right way to go. I, I, I take the approach that if you have the right environment and the um, you know, reasonable but limited regulations on business and a low tax environment and a great place to live with a quality workforce, then that that provides the necessary ingredients for entrepreneurship to happen, right? So, and you saw it with Ramico, they didn't get any uh, state money or any, you know, kind of handout to to come here they they identified a coal deposit that was looking that it was a privately owned coal deposit with privately owned surface and close to town and zoned the right way so that uh, it, it was an ideal circumstance for them to move here and to do their thing and uh, they just need the government to kind of get out of their way right and hopefully the environmentalists will quit suing them and and try to stop them but uh, that's you know that's the case in Wyoming with oil and gas, as you know, Aaron. The the green groups um, have deep pockets and uh, a lot of money to sue and sue and sue and delay, delay, delay until projects either and people just throw up their hands and they quit 
they walk away and they take their money where it's welcome or they'll stick it out like Ramico stuck it out with his DEQ mining permit and they finally it looks like they're finally there after a while, almost 10 years mm-hmm. that's crazy I mean imagine trying to start a business and having to wait 10 years to finally get moving on your business plan that's 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 not the way to do business and Wyoming can do better we have to do better if we're going to compete and so as far as carbon capture goes, that's going to have to come again from the private sector. If there's a market for it, if it works and uh, there's a way to make money at it, then it will happen. But some of these projects that are kind of thought up by these, um, you know, you <laughs> bureaucrats or whatever, and they use taxpayer money to subsidize it, those typically don't get off the ground and, and uh, that doesn't happen. So the end of the day it's got to be entrepreneurship all the way around and that's the kind of push that i want to see our schools take our community colleges and our university to really promote entrepreneurial because uh yeah you can go work for somebody and, and get a good job in wyoming and learn learn a trade and learn a skill like that but if we're really going to diversify our economy and really grow and get into this high-tech manufacturing stuff it's going to take some some bright minds and some people willing to take risks and and be an entrepreneur and come up with that idea and follow it through and see it through. And we got to make sure that they have access to capital and access to all the, the things that they need here in Wyoming to, to make it happen. And so there are ways to do that you know, locally with um, angel investors and, and different investor groups that could form up and, and try to help these people out. And uh, my job as a Senator is to make sure that uh, when they do get up and running, that there's not, you know, a tax burden that's too big for them or, you know, unnecessary duplicative regulations that just choke them off to death. And, and so, you know, we just got to keep the playing field level and keep the taxes low. And uh, hopefully some entrepreneurs will, will really find Wyoming as a place to be. And one last thought on that is um, I always say our best and brightest are already here. And the people that want to be here are already here. Wyoming is a kind of a brutal state in the winter and kind of hot in the summer. <laughs> we love the spring and fall when it lands on a weekend. And um, <laughs> so instead of trying to entice these people from other states to move here and bring their businesses here, I think the people we ought to target are our very own, our high school kids and our college kids and the people that are already here to start that business up and, and, and grow our state economy that way. Zach, anything to add there? And then we'll jump into some local stuff with the Senator. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, offering different kind of programs like that, um, you know, at the high school level and even at the, the community colleges um, to get kids, you know, learning skills and then sending them on their way to, to open up those, those different shops is huge. Um, Sheridan does a good job of um, offering those machine classes and then, uh, Sheridan College, you know, has a new uh, diesel mechanics program. Um, so yeah, I I totally agree with that. You know, I don't have anything else to add. I think um, if you just come to Sheridan, I think it's pretty obvious. You've got Ramico, Weatherby moved here on their own. You have Kenan that got started up there. They're um, you know from here. <laughs> Freaking Emit, you know, uh, yeah. Osborns are from here. I mean you name it. I mean, and you can go to Casper. I mean, the Trues, they're a Wyoming family. So anyways, I think uh, Senator, you hit it on the head there. Um, 
let's kind of move into some positive stuff. Get out of some politics for you, uh, Bo. Um, <laughs> the the Sheridan Hawks uh, finally had some home games. Um, yeah. Now one one game got delayed back because uh, the I think the Bozeman team got stuck or their <laughs> traffic or whatever. But um, we got some hockey. Yeah. It was good. We had a good weekend. Um, it was nice to be home. The, the girls didn't have uh, away games this year. Both my girls played travel hockey. So uh, we're usually gone um, and not able to attend some of the games. But we had Alyssa had a couple of home games against Gillette for the, the U19 girls team. And uh, unfortunately, they lost both games, but they're really close games. And then we got to take in a couple of Hawks games. And boy, the Hawks are looking great this year. Uh, fast i mean they're just insanely fast for a three junior three team uh the their level of talent this year is it's amazing for for what we have in a small town like sharon so it's fun to watch those guys put it to bozeman this weekend both games are pretty exciting games and just just watching them play is awesome and it's great for my kids to watch those guys play and see how it's done and and how they skate hard every shift every time they give it 100 percent and they were just skating circles around bozeman at times it looked like we were on the power play when it was even strength they were just that good so hawks if you haven't seen a hawks game sheridan you got to get out and see these guys they're they're fun to watch they're they're fast they they hit hard there's even a good couple fights on sunday afternoon so yeah good, good stuff that's what that's what i'm all about in hockey no just kidding uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, they've been, uh, I've been following them this year. Gosh, they've been blowing teams out. And um, yeah, it's uh, that, that program has really grown ever since we got that indoor facility. Um, last couple questions here. Um, other than we've got Sheridan is still going to try and hold the Christmas stroll. Now we're kind of in a weird, uh, probably a day by day situation from, from the uh, state level, you know, we'll kind of see what uh, governor Gordon, if, if, um, you know, if he's pressured into some health orders uh, due to the, you know, state level. But um, other than the Christmas stroll, Bo, what do you what do you guys look forward to as a family uh, for the holiday season uh, events or what do you guys like to do outside of hockey? Well, we mostly like to just hang out around the house, uh, do some hunting. And if there's ice on the lakes, we try to get some ice fishing in around Christmas time. Um, as cold as it's been, I thought, man, I'd be ice fishing by Thanksgiving there for a while, but that didn't happen. But no, we, we like to just kind of hang tight with the fam. And like I said, hunting, fishing, uh, stuff like that. Uh, the girls are saying, Alyssa's in my ear over here saying sledding. Well, yeah, we like to go sledding and skiing. I forgot about that too, but uh, Hopefully we'll be able to get some skiing in, and uh, if our schedule allows, like I said, with the now I got two in traveling hockey, and so who knows where we'll be at on a given weekend. But that's that's what we like to do, and uh, hopefully things will stay open. I'm hearing some rumors that we're looking at a mask mandate, and and I hope hopefully we can get through this uh, fall surge at, without losing too much of our freedom. Yeah, we we have a segment where I say, you know, I, I I call on the governor, you know, give no ground. You know, I think just g give it one more week. I think we're going to see it dip and I think he can he can relax and maybe enjoy the holiday season. But uh, uh, Zach. 
Yeah, no, um, super excited to come back, uh, get to come back right, right before Thanksgiving and, and stay at home for the, that couple, uh, right there through December. Um, super exciting to see the Christmas troll and see everybody and, uh, just go out and, and do some Wyoming stuff in the winter. Um, sledding and skiing, um, Antelope Butte is open now, so that'll be fun. I'll definitely have to go up there a few times, but, um, yeah, I think that pretty much sums up. I don't know if we've got any other questions here. Um, just, uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on, Senator. We really appreciate having you uh, join us. Thank you for having me. It's always good talking to you guys and, and, uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch throughout the year. Maybe I can give you one last, you know, uh, update before we head down the session, if we head down the session. Now I'm hearing rumors we may not meet until April, so who knows? Stay tuned. We'll, we'll see what happens. But hopefully we can meet when the Constitution says we're going to have to meet, and that's in January, and we'll be, we'll be over this uh, COVID stuff by then. And maybe we'll have a president by then. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. A lot will happen, uh, but yeah, no, uh, if, if we can get another one in before you go down there, we would love that. Uh, we shoot, we may even just come down there um, and get with all you guys. Um, that'd be fun. But uh, yeah, Bo, thanks. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, tell your uh, campaign manager for sitting in your ear and keeping you in line. Um, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Zach. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, Bo. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to our interview with Wyoming State Senator Bo Biteman for Senate District 21. Please like, share, and subscribe. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening, and remember, go be Wyoming.